Welcome to Dig It. I'm Edge here with my co-host Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs and today we have a very special guest which I will let Corey introduce. Take it away Corey. Today we have Fiona Price and for anyone who uh, subscribes to the Solution Series they've had the pleasure of seeing Fiona. Uh, We had her on an episode what was that like a few weeks back And I wanted to bring her on with us so that we had more time to get into manifesting and how our thoughts create our reality. So so that's what this episode is going to focus on, which I think is really important right now. So so let me introduce Fiona. Um, Fiona, you you've been like a serial entrepreneur, which I can kind of relate to there. Uh, But with you, it's in the financial sector, uh, being in the public eye to living a reclusive lifestyle with your animals on an ancient farmstead. Very cool. And then you decided to sell it and hit the road in your RV so that you can eventually create the Earth Collective, which is a self-sufficient eco-community in Ireland. Also very cool. I, I wish I was closer and could see that. And then while on the road, you wrote a book, The Ultimate Relationship, the one with yourself. So you've had this, you've kind of been on this incredible spiritual journey and you focus a lot on uh, manifesting and, you know, understanding that our thoughts do in fact create our reality. And that's what we want to get into. So why don't we, why don't we start kind of with your book and what kind of inspired you to write that and how it's, I think it's really important for people to empower themselves right now. And as you put it, be the biggest, grandest version of yourself. So I'll let you kind of take it away and summarize that for people. Okay, well, where to start? Um, Yeah, I mean, my life has been so crazy and mad that my focus was always on being better, being more efficient, cramming more in, staying well, being fitter, making better decisions, and just being more of. And in a way, um, you know, that's not possible through academic training. I went to business school. That was a complete waste of time. And really, the practicalities of life and the survival of life for me in business, also competing sport at international level, in the thick of it in London, meant I had to really look to leverage my own innate resources, which effectively was the power of thought um, and working out how to make things happen quicker, better, um, using um, using that, understanding myself, knowing how I stopped myself achieving what I needed to achieve, and then reframing all of that. Um, and I don't know, it's been a lifelong journey. So eventually, when I found myself rewilding in the middle of Wales and packing up to have another life and be a different version of myself again, I came across a box full of notes and journals from the la- the previous 20 years, which were the my brain dumps and the inspirations and the insights and the things that happened moment by moment that helped me to clear the rubbish out and travel as light as possible in life, understanding how I created what I created, good and bad, and moving on and doing it better next time. And I was going to chuck the whole lot on the bonfire, but actually I had to read it one more time. And in doing that, I thought, no, I there's a book here there's a book I must write the book because this stuff was so life-changing for me that maybe there are one or two things in here that other people will find useful and then I'll put it on the bonfire so that's that's what happened (laughs) right so now you are and just so people know you are over in you're in Ireland right now correct so so we might have because you're already camped around so we might have a little bit of cutting out here and there (laughs) Yeah. So tell, yeah, tell no, me. I eventually managed to go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I, I eventually managed to um, sell up. And that was just such a cathartic process because I realized that I'd lived in perpetual motion and um, I just didn't want to do that anymore. I, I wanted to do things differently. I wanted to have a different life. I wanted to live in a very simple way. So I'd gone from city to living pretty sort of much semi-feral and being quite basic. But I wanted to go one step again, which was actually to live 
in a simple way, I'm not saying basic in the sort of idea of being up to your, you know, armpits in mud the whole time, but sophisticated basic, i.e. using what nature has to offer in terms of sacred geometry, in terms of natural physics, in terms of um, creating your own energy and uh, water purification and uh, I don't know, all of that. So I wanted to to go the next step and actually create a community that would be focused on living in a way that enhanced health, in, gave you more energy instead of the life that most of us live, which takes energy. And we live in buildings that take energy um, and we eat food that takes our energy instead of giving to us. So the whole idea was to sell up to... Um, give away or sell absolutely everything I owned. And all of my possessions now exist within the unit that um, I'm sitting in in this moment uh, as we speak. And um, so, yeah, I'm in the process of manifesting something else from a completely blank piece of paper. The idea came to me in August last year. And the first thought in my mind was, what the F do I do now? <laughs> How do I make this happen? So I'm having to walk my talk and start again and do all the things that I've learned in the past. And, you know, the process of manifesting is a work in progress. We are all a work in progress and it will take at least this lifetime and probably many others to perfect the art. So, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to do what I know works and do it better this time again. So tell us a little bit about the eco community, like what, what you're envisioning with that. Because I think this is really cool. Okay, so um, I'm imagining that we're going to build a community of about seven homes and then collective buildings and maybe some ecotourism and um, buildings where we can make things and, and do things together. But seven homes on maybe 25 to 35 acres, which are going to be Earthship-esque. So for anyone who doesn't know what an Earthship is, if you think... Um, the Hobbit, uh, Lord of the Rings, the Hobbit, those sort of houses that went into the ground. So an earthship is partially underground and it's partially overground. And that means you get the warmth of the, um, the, the earth around you, which is called the thermal mass, which transfers warmth into the building. And then the front that comes out of the ground has glass. So you have the solar gain. So you capture the heat from the sun through the glass. So you already have a sort of ambient warmth within the building before you do anything. And that's just using the laws of nature. Um, then you may have something like um, a masonry oven, which is sometimes called a Russian oven, where you can have a very, very efficient um, wood burning, probably a stove in the middle that has got pipework that goes through the building. So you can create warm air that also circulates that comes from this super efficient masonry oven that can also have a sauna attached to it it can have heated stone benches in your sort of living area it's it's really fab um and then you have uh maybe some solar uh, maybe some um uh power that comes from the stream on the land um and in due course i really feel that there's going to be so much tech that comes available that is what's called um zero point energy so free energy that comes from the ground that comes from the air that comes from the space between things you know a la tesla 100 years ago who discovered many of these things um and they're not available in the public domain for various reasons and i think that they are going to start to come forth in the next number of years and and people around the world are making all sorts of incredible things in their garages even so I think that there is a move towards creating new energy new sources of energy so meantime we will use possibly uh, some wind as well and there's wonderful innovation in all of these areas I mean I've seen some wind turbines recently that look like a tree and so the leaves, as you look, are all collecting uh, energy from they're finding the energy in the wind from every direction the wind moves. And it looks like a tree and it's really beautiful. And you can use that. You can choose the color of the leaves and the trunk. And so it really blends into the environment. I've so never there's some seen super that clever stuff out there. And then. No, I hadn't either. I hadn't either. But anyway, somebody sent me a link and I thought, wow, and it's proven and it works. So, yeah, all sorts of interesting things. And I want it to be really cutting edge in terms of that type of tech. Um, 
then you've got water purification and reed beds for grey water. There are other ways of actually purifying purifying the sewerage. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, growing your own food. So in a conventional earthship, the glass conservatory at the front doubles as a food production unit. So that's a greenhouse as well. Or you can have your greenhouses outside and you can create maybe a bio, a sort of semi-dome, like a biodome, but only half of it. So you've got the heat from the, the 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 earth behind where the food's growing and underneath and then maybe a dome over the um uh, the one side of it so i don't know i mean i'm researching 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 i've linked up with another of a number of other people who are interested in the project they're all researching um they're not all in ireland and so people's situations have to converge to us gathering in ireland and actually doing this project but I'm getting ready to go ahead anyway, as I'm the only one that's here and um, ready to proceed. So it's, yeah, it's just starting. But I mean, a, you know, less than a year ago, it was literally a blank piece of paper. So it, it is proceeding. It could always be quicker. But um, yeah, I'm trying to do it instinctively and focus on the things that seem relevant in the moment rather than trying to do everything in one go. Um, so, yeah. Right. Sound, it sounds really amazing. I mean, who wouldn't want to live? I've always wanted to live in one of the Hobbit homes, and especially in the right. background of Ireland. That must be just gorgeous where you're staying. Ireland is, is yeah, Ireland is astonishing. I had no idea because I've only had a, a, a visit or two in my lifetime here for a, a day or two at a time. So I knew instinctively Ireland, but I didn't know really why and you know the minute I got off the ferry two months ago um, immediately I noticed so few people immediately I noticed so few cars on the road then there's the Irish hospitality people are so friendly and so accommodating and so welcoming and they have time to talk to you they smile they are fit they're outside doing things they do power walking the women are power walking everywhere as exercise um and you don't see the obesity in ireland that you see in the uk and in other countries so that was quite interesting mm. but there's something um about the land in ireland and and i'll tell you what it is it was channeled information i came across uh, many years ago um through uh, lee carroll in america who channels um, a spiritual group called cryon and what they said about Ireland was that basically, if you imagine the whole planet has got various grids, you have the magnetic grid that we know about in our science and our physics. You have the Gaia grid, which is the energy of the, the earth. It goes from the surface of the earth right down to the earth's core. It's hugely powerful. And you have something called the crystalline grid. And the crystalline grid is a grid which is esoteric and it contains all of the um, energy and emotion of human experience. So that's what is triggered if you go into a place and you think, oh, this doesn't feel really nice. I've got to get out of here. Or you go somewhere and you think, oh, this energy is wonderful. I just want to bask in it. So the crystalline grid is quite important and it also overlays the Gaia grid and it tempers the strength and the power of the Gaia grid now there are a few places on the planet apparently that where there is an anomaly and mostly these places are at sea including the Bermuda Triangle or so so I so I understand and the I think the only land-based place on the planet where this anomaly exists is Ireland southern ireland in particular and so what happens is you have no although there have been battles fought here for hundreds and thousands of years probably and great bloodshed and, and trauma and sorrow you don't feel that anywhere you actually feel the a lightness in the land a pristineness in the land but the second thing is that the absence of the crystalline grid means there's no tempering of the power of the gaia grid and so you, you're cycling around or you're driving around and everything is so vibrant. There's life in the ground. There's energy in the ground. The color, the green of the grass and the, 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 the land is like iridescent. Um, and, you know, Ireland is famous for the little people and the fairies. And everyone in Ireland knows about this and acknowledges this as reality. And this is because the, the, um, the divas within the Gaia grid are, are omnipresent. They are actually 
palpable and tangible. So I thought, yeah, this would be a great other dimension to the project to work with that energy and to see what we can do with that in our food production and in the energy we create in, in, the, in the community that we create. Especially with earthships. I've been looking into earthships and pyramids for a long time. Pyramids are pretty powerful as well. I mean, there's been studies done uh, that show improved health just from the, the the way of their construction and the energy field it creates within like food doesn't mold it could sit you could put grapes on a table and they'll, they'll eventually shrivel but they don't grow mold uh razor blades don't dull i actually spoke with an architect once um because i was considering building a pyramid home but i didn't have the land for it at the time so there there is there's a there's a lot um like you were saying earlier with sacred geometry and go ahead. I know you want to chime in. Go ahead. Yeah, no, sacred geometry that you're talking about sacred geometry. Well, I think the technical term is biogeometry. And mm. this is about um, a fact that which this is about quality. So it's not quantity. It's about quality. Quality is, is the, is another dimension, if you like, which you feel through your emotions and through um, you know, the sort of in, the multidimensional part of you. Um, and uh, I've been researching quite a lot into this. There's a wonderful um, Egyptian man called um, Ibrahim Karim. And uh, he, he has done astonishing work. And it's been used for not, it, it's the shape. So it's the, it's the sacredness of the shape. Um, and if you're building from scratch, you can incorporate those principles in your design. But if you're already living in a building, you can make adjustments to take away the negative aspects of the shape. And he also used it and proved that it actually improved uh, the um, the health and well-being of autistic children who were able to actually function semi-normally in an environment that had been made as as appropriate for them in terms of the, the biogeometry. He used it also to mitigate the effects of EMF in Switzerland. He worked for the Swiss, Swiss government from memory and he, he did an incredible project there with tangible scientific results. So, I mean, this stuff is, is it's invisible to the naked eye, but it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. So I really want to explore that. And I think also the connection with the land, working out where do you put the buildings? Where do you put the buildings that work with the energy of the land? And not just that, but the energy of the particular people that will live in those buildings. Um, so, and with the partially being underground and partially being overground, you then get the immersion in earth energies and the connection to the cosmos. So it's trying to sort of, you know, to acknowledge that we are not just physical beings, we are connected to the earth, we're connected to the cosmos, we're, we're, we're connected to each other. And how do you integrate all of that into a place, into a community? So that's the experiment. I love it. I love it. So I know you've worked a lot with animals. You used to ride horses and uh, you have ways of communicating with them and basically taking your thoughts and um, using visualization. And, and we'll, we'll just say telepathy. I think most people who have pets would agree that there is um, animals are very telepathic and not only do they observe your emotions and your energy, but they also, uh, there is there. I mean, I've communicated with my animals my whole life. So I, I want to, I want you to get into like your approach of, um, cause this is stuff I've been doing my whole life as well, but what your approach is with visualization to manifest and, um, also, why it is, especially right now with everything going on, I think it's so important that people do start to realize that um, our thoughts do, in fact, create a reality. And by being in this perpetual wheel of, of darkness and like the who comes out or someone comes out and says, well, we're going to do this and we're going to take control. And instead of people, yes, we need to battle it, right? We have all these battles going on, but instead of people taking it and going, well, they're going to run the show and they're, and it's like this automatic emotional response. They're going to run the show. They're going to control the show. No, you can't feed that energy to that. You have to say, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to combat it. And, but you have to, 
it's like um a knowing and an intuition and a, and a seeing the future in the way that we want to see it roll out. And there is a lot of power in that. And this is not new agey stuff. It's that's the most frustrating thing I think is there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot, I don't know the good term for it, but there's a lot of people out there that say, Oh, that's just new agey. And no, no. I mean, I could sit here for 10 hours and share story after story just of my own life, but I, but I'm not going to, we're going to let you share. Well, I mean, not only that, the science is there to prove it. Um, I, you know, this is such a big subject. Where do you, where do you even start? But I mean, just thinking of some of the, the science that's known about the power of thought in, in the collective sense. Um, I think it was at the time of, 9-11 and also might have been I think it was the Japanese tsunami and the death of Princess Diana those events all triggered a mass wave or um, convergence of human compassion the energy of compassion yeah. and that energy of compassion actually changed the um was it the magnetic fields around the satellites or or something to do with the satellites that was recorded scientifically? It spiked something that changed um I think it was the magnetic fields or that and that and that was picked up by the satellites. I can't remember the details, but anyway, there's science that that shows that. And also, um the Heart Math Institute. Um, I think they've got a lot of material because they use random ge number generators and they have them in different places around the planet. And at certain points of peak human energy, such as the compassion from the disasters that I mentioned, those random generators have gone to significant convergence um, out of random that matched those those um, those those spikes of human emotion. So actually, you know, this again is stuff that can't be seen. Therefore, people think it doesn't exist, like the electromagnetic fields. You can't right. see them. Therefore, they're not harmful. But actually, no, it's not true at all. And so you and I know from our own experience the power of thought and of visualization. But also there is very good science that shows that our thought actually affects our biology. Right. Our consciousness affects other people. Our consciousness collectively affects things on the planet. So, yeah, I mean, okay, let's start with thought and why it's so important in the here and now, in the madness of our world. You know, the world is not going to be changed by the system because the system is bust. So, therefore, the only way the world is going to change to a different world that we might want to live in, or those of us that, you know, that are aware that there's a problem, is, by, is from the ground up, is one individual at a time. And in order to do that, we have to know what our programming is. Our programming, in terms of the way we think and our beliefs and therefore our actions, usually come from a whole load of stuff that is put upon us one way and another. So from our social conditioning, from our parents, from our education, from our society, all of these things tell us what we can think about who we are, about what we can be, have, and do. And until, and we only start to think about the possibility that, that we have these sort of thoughts that don't help us because mostly they don't help us. When we have repeating patterns in our life, when things keep going wrong, when we're in relationships that keep going wrong, when we um, are in jobs that just don't work out, when we um, keep having bad health or, or, or whatever, all of the things that we don't want to happen that keep happening regularly, that keep being these repeating cycles. And so maybe in those moments, we would start to think, well, why? Why, you know, am I a victim? Or is there something I'm doing that's contributing to this? So on the one hand, we need to know what we think that doesn't help us. And then on the other hand, we need to learn to reframe those thoughts with things that help us to create what we want in life. And once we start to become a master of our own thoughts, then we can start to harness the power of thought and to change the world, our reality, and to change the world that we live in. So actually... This is a lifetime's work. And, you know, as I said before, I'm certainly still very much a work in progress. Um, and and we, we, we all will be because, you know, 
it will take many lifetimes to master this stuff. But the start is understanding what you think that doesn't help you. And then I personally use affirmations a lot to reframe my thinking and to create a launching pad for new thoughts that will help me create the things that I do want. So here, here's my sort of technique for manifestation in very simple terms. In the first instance, once you've decided what it is that you want to create, and, and often great ideas don't start with you know being big they don't come with bells and whistles saying hey look at me you have a little seed of an idea for something that you want to do differently in your life or in my case of business or, or you know and you spend time with it and in spending time with it you embellish it and then you start to attract to you information and people that um, inspire you and the idea grows and it grows and it grows and it grows to the point if this is a goodie and this is if this is something you're going to manifest that it it is almost it becomes your parallel reality so you feel like you can almost reach out and touch it now at that point when you have fantasized about this thing and you can feel it just about you sort of become an antenna in the field of possibilities that's out there because we're linked to everything. So we are in this soup of infinite potential through our connection to other people and everything that there is. And so this passionate vision is like a beacon. It's like an antenna that connects through some other multidimensional um, way to all of these potentials. So then in that moment, having done that, it is manifest it is real because that's how manifestation works however because we are in linear time we can't see it so as far as i understand it time is actually circular you have this eternal now you have past present and future that's all in one in one moment but we have a linear construct which is part of our experience of being human and part of our gaining of wisdom and enlightenment and so in that moment where you have sent this this beacon this antenna out and you said yeah you know and, and you've, you've made it connect to the super potentials it is real but you can't see it because we're in a linear time construct and so very often you lose faith you think oh i can't it's not happening therefore it's not going to happen it hasn't worked and in that moment where you start to doubt and get fearful about it not happening, you shut everything down. The antenna goes off and the connections are lost. So actually, part of the process, once you've manifested it through your passion and sending it out there, is to stay as balanced as you possibly can. Lift off it, forget about it, whatever. Distract yourself when you start to get negative. Um, and that process of balance is essential for connecting you to your instinct. Now, instinct is something we're born with and it helps us, it guides us in the early years of life, but society and our education hammers it out of us. And what is valued in our world is intellect and academic prowess um, and um, logic. So we have to learn to rediscover our instinct because instinct is the best guidance we have in life. And so you manifest, you send it out there, you, you do what you can to stay balanced. In that place of balance, you're connected to your instinct. Your instinct is your sat-nav, and your sat-nav then, then guides you to the synchronicities that in the end will create your manifestation. That's the simple yeah. version. That's very well put, very well put. And I want to add that... Uh, Doubt is is a key here because, well, two things. One, I spent my whole life up until about six years ago when I, you know, spent every waking moment doing research and writing to make people aware of what's going on. I was in, I'll just call it a flow. It, it was ebb and flow. It was no doubt. It was constant creation, visualization, manifestation. And here's the thing. Oftentimes it'll come to you in ways you didn't perceive, you didn't see coming. 
So maybe you envisioned it happening um, or evolving in a certain way, but then all of a sudden you get this call or you stumble across this book or something happens that connects you through to someone and you're like, oh, this is part of it, but I didn't really think about it from that way. This is actually cooler. And so it's almost like a kid in a candy store because you're like, excited to see these new doors opening and these new opportunities and new connections. And if you, if, if the, you take the approach of like being a kid and finding joy in this and creation and forget about doubt, worry, negativity, that has no role in any of this. Uh, then you will find that there's an, just a constant stream of manifestations flowing in. That is perfect. Absolutely perfect. And you're so right. And for me, when, when I have a, a synchronicity that happens, I'm going, yeah, whooping, you know, and all the rest of it. Um, and let, yeah. And let me just, I want to pick up on a few things that you, that you've said there, but, but on this thing about um, synchronicity, you know, one of the things that um, years and years and years ago, when I wanted to prove to myself um, about the power of thought so many years ago maybe 30 years ago um, I said to the universe I said to all that there is show me I need evidence tell me show me in a way that I will understand that I have power in my thought and um, through synchronicity because you you know in life in many ways there are coincidences, coincidences that happen and it takes an awful lot of coincidences for you to even get to the point that you say maybe there's something in this that actually this is more than just coincidence so for me what happened was when i was driving i would see number plates that had my initials in and or my date of birth and i would just see a ridiculous amount of them on every journey and i would be whooping every single time and so that was so obvious and it was so tangible. And the more you whoop and the more you celebrate every synchronicity, the more you get. It's a virtuous circle. So, yeah, you behave like a kid and, you know, it's fantastic. <laughs> right. So that's the first thing. The second thing is timing. Timing is really important because you can have the idea to do something. And what I've learned to my cost several times over is that doesn't mean that you do it in that moment. The timing could be completely different. And again, staying connected to your, um, staying balanced, staying connected to your instinct. I mean, you know, the timing might be not now, but in a year's time, not now, but in 10 years time. And so it's noticing the slipstream of positive synchronicity or maybe you getting blocked as you go that tells you it's not working as easily as it should. So the timing is really important because if you think, I mean, let's go back to the number plates. How much had to happen behind the scenes for me to see just one number plate that was significant in that way? I mean, what did that person driving that car have to do to make the decision that took them to that spot in the road where I would see them on that day at that time exactly. I mean, you can't even get your head around that. So in the process of synchronicity and timing for something you're manifesting, how many other people are involved and how many other situations or events are involved to give you each piece of synchronicity and given that we all have free will and the choice to change our mind at any time about what we want to do what happens if one of those people drop out of that chain and then the synchronicity is missed it doesn't mean it's not going to happen but somehow that chain has to be reconstructed and so that will affect the timing so it's this thing about being really tuned in to your instinct because your instinct can be a feeling in your body like a certain place in your body in your solar plexus for example or it can be a fleeting thought that dashes through and it's so quick if you're busy you're not going to have time to register it and we have to learn to notice when we have these thoughts and when we have these prompts because they're the things that are going to guide us in the direction that we want to go so timing is everything yeah, um, and, and it... the other thing I wanted to go on no, I was just going to say, it's really, really important, um, not not even just for this, but on so many levels, for people to get really in tune with their body, where, what parts of their body is reacting to different situations, you can get so in tune, like, just for example, 
I can, and I started years ago, like I started this with, I'd be in a grocery store, I could hold up an item of food and my body would tell me whether it's good or bad for me. Um, I sometimes <laughs> get issues with heartburn. I can now just think of a food and I will get heartburn if it's going to cause heartburn. It'll just, just for like a moment, you know? And so your body has all these signals and it's constantly communicating with you. You have stored memories, you, you know, and, and reaction, you reacting from an emotional state is, is often going to throw things off. And, and I feel like right now, that is one of their number one strategies is to keep everyone in an angered, chaotic state, because if they can keep people angry, they're going to channel all their energy into that. And they're going to be in a constant fight with each other and, and sometimes taking on important battles, but, but you have to like stabilize that and bring that down and, and, or take step away from it for 10 minutes and go, okay, let me look at this from a perspective. You know, it's, a, it's got to come from the heart. And the other thing too, is not allowing people to tell you, you can't do something. Cause let me tell you how many times my people have told me, there's no way you're going to do that. How are you going to make that happen? That's impossible. And I just giggle. It's going to happen. I already know it's going to happen because I've already seen it. <laughs> so I think those are important exactly. too. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, hey, hey, super important. Gosh, we could talk for hours, couldn't we? I mean, there's so many things in what you've just said again. Um, yeah. I And I use a pendulum, by the way, for all of my dietary everything and uh, all of my fitness training and in the past incredible and that's your instinct on the end of a piece of string so it makes it very easy to see it even more easy than feeling it somewhere um but yeah instinct your body talking to you the cells of, of our biology are intelligent they want to be balanced and well and we have to help them out by actually using the power of thought to tell our body what we want if we don't it does its best but given we live in such a toxic world it's not going to be necessarily giving us the health that we want if we don't help it by taking charge and instructing our biology and that's a whole other conversation but let's well, go back to the here and now sorry go on no i was just going to say and imagine if if everyone pulled out of their state of anger and fear right now and focused on what we want to see, you know, positive community. We, we don't, we don't want the globalists around anymore. We, you know, if we started creating a, gosh, maybe we should write up a really cool, powerful visualization and send it out to the world. And then everyone can add in their own wonderful little aspects to it. And we could start, you know, channeling this in a more positive direction instead of being caught um, like a hamster on a wheel in. Yeah giving them any any sense of power at all over us yes and i yeah, think that absolutely. also i'm sorry go ahead no 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 shut go go you go because yeah, well i was go going on. to say i was going to add to that it's not just that this uh sense of anger has been imposed on us but also a sense of we've moved to to being more like victims and pointing to others as oppressors and so and that does create the anger also Corey but it puts us in this state of constantly feeling victimized you know instead of really taking control and personal responsibility and um, over the choices that we've made in our own lives and our own thoughts that we make and uh, we should just really focus more internally on becoming victorious over our lives and not victims of circumstance, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's all, everything that we're experiencing now um, is constructed. We are living in a construct, which is not just about um, the anger, it's divide and rule, it's distracting us. And you're right, both of you are right. I mean, I feel that we have to sit back and pretend we're in a theatre and that we're watching something play out on the stage in front of us and remain balanced and remain dispassionate. Because the minute we allow it to affect us to emotionally, to create an emotional response, then they've won. So the, going back to the idea of understanding your programming, the whole um, virtuous circle of this thing about... Um, understanding your thoughts and what works against you and what you can do to 
create what you want. Once you start going down, uh, going through that process, you will also be able to recognize the whole psychop that's going on. You'll be able to recognize the programming in everything around us, everything. And then that will make it easier to opt out of it and, and look at it from a distance. So I think that's also that that's a flip side and it's really, really important. Um, and yeah, I mean, we th those of us who are interested in knowing what's going on in the world right now, I think we know enough. I mean, you know, there's so much information out there. It's ugly as hell. And we understand there are enough cards that have been put on the table that we can see the the overriding architecture now is the time to take action and create the world we want to live in and opt out of that system so you know that's different for all of us i mean we talked about the earth collective that's what i'm doing in my life but you know we're also in the age of aquarius and this means that it's a great time that the the, the vibe is with us to take action in groups in whatever way and and you know whether it's um I don't know whether it's creating a different type of education, whether it's creating different type of healthcare or politics, but now is the time to actually do things collectively. There's tremendous power in that and actually to rethink and reimagine um, everything. So yeah, I think taking personal responsibility, understanding how your thoughts either work against you or work for you and working in groups are all vital ingredients in actually moving forward and uh, and creating um um you know an era of innovation um on our planet that we would all want to see yeah i think that everybody has a different perspective comes to the table with a different perspective um, but that we can all work together and for me it starts on a very personal level with a change of heart and a rejection, as you had mentioned, a rejection of the broken world and saying, no, it doesn't have to be this way. And then having a personal desire to be in harmony with what God's will is for me to have an abundant life. And living in that harmony as I, as I can kind of identify with the way that you describe synchronicities when you feel that sort of harmony. And that's where I think where I come from. And I think that it starts with self and improvement from and, and self-reflection and moves outwards towards others in your circle, your family, your friends, your neighbors, and then it branches out into community. And it goes from there. If we all just really started doing that self-reflection part from where, whatever perspective you may have um, and, and go going from there. What are your thoughts uh, on that? Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Um, and sorry, Corey, go on, you go. No, I was just going to say absolutely, because the fact of the matter is it positivity is contagious. So like you said, with it moving out to other people, you know, I mean, you go into a place and um, say you're going to some event, maybe it's a gathering with friends or there's some new people there you've never met. And you've got just one person there who's just got bad attitude, talking negatively. You can literally visually see this. I mean, I can see it with my own eyes, just seep through to everyone. And all of a sudden I'll see someone like snap at someone else and I'll be like, wow, that just hit them like a ton of bricks and it went right through them and they channeled it right out to someone else. Whereas you go into a place where you've got, you know, someone joking around being a comedian and everyone's just uplifted and, you know, and motivated. Um, the other thing too, is I think, I think one of the hard things is, especially right now, because no one likes tyranny. No one likes authoritarianism. So the idea of trying to balance letting go of control while also guiding your path at the same time is a, is a tricky act because you're not by letting go of control and having a level of detachment doesn't mean that you're folding and saying, well, I'm throwing up my hands and they can have full control. That's not what it is at all. It's, it's allowing yourself that, that space and that freedom to be able to, it's actually giving you more freedom 
And I don't know how to explain that and break that down because it's instinctual. Yeah, but... I, I can identify with that. Surrendering. No, it, it, it's right. It's, it's... Yes. Surrendering to, the way I put it is surrendering to God's will because I tr- God is the one that I trust, the only right. one that I put my faith in. And it is a really freeing thing to be able to surrender to God's will um, because you are letting go of control, but you're also welcoming abundance and that harmony that I was just talking about. Yep. Go ahead, Fiona. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. Yeah. um, Well, okay. So I was a teenager in the seventies when, you know, one of the big news items continually was who was going to put their finger on the nuclear button. And I never, that never resonated with me. I knew that was never going to happen. And then, you know, one disaster after another and all the rest of it through the decades. Um, And even with all of this tyranny that's been going on in the last um, few years, I just know in my heart of hearts that it's not going to be the end of humanity, that it's not going to go the way that is planned. And so I've just learned to trust that absolutely. And at the same time, I need to know because I need to make decisions in my life and support others around me. I need to know what's going on, but I need to see that from a distance because I know that's not my reality and that's not on my timeline. Um, And so alongside that, then say, right, okay, what do I want to manifest in my life? So I think that there are various levels to it. Um, But going back to what you were saying, Corey, about the power of um, personal energy and personal light, um, you know, it's this thing about you light a match in a room and that light creates exponentially. It sort of then leads to the idea that darkness is the absence of light. So actually you only need one match lit and you light quite a large area around that. And that's what somebody's energetic field has the power to do. And then you can extend that and you can use um you can use it for compassionate thought to help other people, whether they're people in the immediate around uh, environment around you or they're in a disaster zone on the other side of the planet. You can actually send that thought, your balance, um, seeing those people um, happy for them in whatever way works for them or healing from the trauma of the experience that they've been going through. You can send that thought through, I like to think of it as a super cosmic super highway. And that then goes into the I don't know, it goes into the into the uh, into the energy, into the environment. And those people that are looking for a solution or for resolution will be able to drown on it and help them balance, help them balance at a time when they're finding it difficult to do that for themselves. So that's how I think the power of thought works when you send your thought to somebody else. And I have a little thing I do um, every day when I'm out and about. Um, Somebody came up with this idea uh, a year or so ago and I thought, wow, I must do that. Um, And that is I can be walking down the street or driving and I see anyone. I mean, it might be um, an old man that looks really ill. He can hardly move. It might be a mother and her children. It might be somebody really busy rushing somewhere. And I just have a word that I put in my mind and send to that person. And my word is miraculous. So I send the energy of something miraculous happening in their life. And I don't even have to have eye contact and I can look up and that person smile nearly every time. So there's something that connects energetically and you can do it in your own world or you can send it to the other side of the planet but that comes through being balanced and through being um energized and therefore going back to what you were saying sharp the first responsibility is to yourself and to sort out your own stuff the things that hold you back and become a bigger grander version of you because when you do that is your light shines and then you can really be of help to other people in the world around you yeah definitely definitely starts i think you're right with really taking care of ourselves and reflecting on ourselves before we move outwards in that positive direction 
And I think that really as a society, we have this tendency to be really reactive rather than proactive. This, I think you've described it as problem, reaction, survival paradigm, and I like that. So there's always going to be just this an, another emergency that's used to justify stripping away more freedoms. And we really just have to get away from that paradigm and anticipate that road ahead collectively and say, no more. We're not falling for it again. We're not putting our faith in this broken system again. And we're creating something new and independent from this system of perpetual emergencies that wants to march us towards a totalitarianism. Right. So I just wanted to add that um, in what Fiona was talking about, about when you're walking down the street and you, you know, you see someone else. Um, I think she just cut out again, but uh, maybe she'll bop back in here. But I think it's really important right now. I feel like people really have their walls up and I get that. But to some degree, we have to take that down because right now is when we need to show more compassion towards other people and really reach out to people because they've done a really good job of trying to isolate everyone, especially over these last few years to divide and isolate so I think people need to come back out of their shell, go meet their neighbors, um, do kind things for people. So folks, we keep cutting in and out because Fiona's in Ireland and we have this bad connection at this campsite she's at. So we're going to wrap this up and I super appreciate you for coming on Fiona and people can, let's see, do you, can you read off the uh, website edge so that people can find Fiona's blog and her book? Yes. So her website is theultimaterelationship.co.uk. And you can click the link to get the book or to find out more information about the book from there. Awesome. Well, thank, thank you so-, so much for coming on with us, Fiona. We'll have to have you on again because this is, you know, we could talk about this for hours. <laughs> Thank you so much, Fiona. It was a pleasure speaking with you today. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us today on Dig It. Please be sure to share this podcast. We're on BitChute, Foxhole, Gab TV, iHeartRadio, Odyssey, Pilled, Rumble, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, no longer on YouTube. Please be sure to subscribe to our other platforms, and we'll see you back next time right here on Dig It.